Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Captain America Civil War. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And as mentioned, we are going all the way back to phase three, I want to say, if I got my phases correct. It is, is. Doesn't this kick off phase three? I believe it does. Probably should have checked Ooh. that before we're taping. Sure, yeah. I'm human, human Wikipedia. Yeah, amazing. And we have a special guest this episode, so why don't we welcome her in, Rachel Leishman. She is a writer at the Mary Sue, and we're very excited to have you here. Yay, Rachel. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Hello. So you... You are our external Marvel expert here. Obviously, we know about Marvel, <laughs> but uh, you uh, said you wanted to talk about Civil War. You're excited to talk about Civil War. So yes. before we get into it, and I'll mention here, spoiler warning, I assume anybody who's listening to this has probably checked out Civil War before, but if not, you know, go watch it. It's on Disney Plus and it's regularly available a lot of different places. But Rachel, going all the way back, <laughs> I was curious to start off. Give me your first impression of seeing Civil War. I assume you saw it in the theater. Or where did yeah. you see it or what was your reaction? Um, I saw it at the Williamsburg Theater in Brooklyn, Ooh. which ended up being very weird because obviously a lot of people in Williamsburg are transplants. And so when Captain America in this movie is like Brooklyn, all these people started cheering and me and my <laughs> friend are like, none of you are actually from here. Maybe like five of you are from actual Brooklyn. Um, but it a was lot like, of people in Williamsburg emerged from an ice block and um, yeah. moved into a tiny apartment together. All Brooklyn. those people came from Canarsie and were like, yeah, Canarsie, <laughs> shout out to the MCU. But, um, like, it was just like that made me be like, what is going on in this theater? But it took me like, I don't know, probably like three or four years and my roommate telling me why I like Civil War for me to realize why this is my favorite Marvel movie. Mm. And it's because I'm a big Spider-Man nerd. Um, I love Cap and I love Iron Man. And so like all of that, but like mostly Spider-Man showing up is the reason that I'm like, this, this rolls, this movie rolls. I don't, I have no notes, any critical thinking that I could have (laughs) about Civil War doesn't exist. Um, And like, it was from that first screening on. I was like, no, this movie rules. I don't know what people are talking about. I love Civil War. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. I, I, is Go this, it, I was going to say, is this movie the best Avengers movie? Mm, you're coming in with a hot take right at the beginning, even coming before you talked about <laughs> well, we build up to this kind of talk. Yep. Yeah. We got to get the people, people are tuning out right now. We got to hook them <laughs> every oh, wow. 10, 10 minute. Hook. This young Justin is such a, is such a go getter. Justin you know? shaved recently and now he's uh, not so only hot takes. Yeah, exactly. I cheer when people say Brooklyn and movie theaters because I'm from upstate New York, but I live here. <laughs> I think that's an interesting take, and certainly people referred to it as Avengers 2.5 when it came out. Uh, But to your point, 
I do think that holds up. You know, I do constantly forget how much of an Avengers movie this is at the same time as they do keep the through line of Captain America's journey of trying to save Bucky, of trying to connect with Bucky, following up on everything that happened in Winter Soldier. So it is an Avengers movie, but only in the sense that all the Avengers are there. I do think it still holds up as a Captain America movie at the same time. Agreed. Though, to contradict myself, there's also an argument to be made that it's an Iron Man movie instead. Like, it's kind of Iron Man Ooh, 4 what? at the same time as it's Captain America 3. I mean, wait a second. All right, all right. She's saying it's a Spider-Man movie. You're saying it's an Iron Man no, movie. No, 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 I'm no. two <laughs> minutes away from saying it's a Black Panther movie, yeah. so this is this is going <laughs> to yeah, be Thanks for teeing it up great. for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. Okay, let's see. We're about movie. To be clear, I'm just yeah, saying no, Spider-Man to... shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, we're all right in a sense because this movie, of all of the entire MCU, does everything at once, and it doesn't feel overstuffed. I think this does it all in a way that it lands it all. And I don't think even movies now, like Multiverse of Madness, I think is doing way less, but it feels like too much. Well, this movie, it's like a, a ride the whole time. And it just rewatching it. This movie crushes so hard. It uh, definitely has this big. Did I, uh, Remind me, did I see this with you guys? I feel like we saw it in the theater together. Am I wrong about that? We do everything together. Oh, We're right. triplets. We're conjoined yes. triplets. It looks like it looks like the three of us are in three different places, but we actually sleep in a triple bunk bed together. Oh, so. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> no, I think we Watch did block. see it together because I kind of remember Pete being like, yeah, when Spider-Man came out and yeah, when Black Panther came out and like yeah. nudging you and you were checking your phone, Justin, as you were wanting to do. Yeah, so I don't like this reputation. <laughs> well, that's building what your deal is. You do it. You're that guy. Yeah. But it's definitely, it is one of those <laughs> things like we're talking about that it truly is playing to an audience. It works to an audience. It has those moments. And getting back to the point that you made, Justin, yes, the Spider-Man moment under Rue's crushes black panther showing for the for the first time crushes but everybody gets those little moments throughout the movies that call back to a million different movies and work in that way um it's very much like uh, everybody getting together and jamming on a concert together you know as a movie so there you go. Me, did you say jamming on a concert? Yeah. So are you, you a music teacher? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All You're I know is it has been almost two now? minutes now. So I'm going to turn it over to Pete because I'm curious to hear what his take on the movie is. Well, first off, I mean, seeing Chadwick Boseman made me clutch my pearls like just every time he was on screen and then kind of like the, oh, shit, we got to watch his father died after he died. And this is uh, oh, uh, this is just so, uh, so much and so emotional now, Um, uh, especially the speech he kind of gives. uh, uh, It just it's really. it's kind of crazy to go back. Um, seeing it, though, for the first time, I was just so happy. I loved all the choices. Also, I really loved how uh, Black Panther showed up, took off his helmet, was like, I'm not solving this this way. We're going to have to talk this out, you know, and it was... Uh, Are you talking about at the end of the movie? I am, yes. Okay. Yeah. The, right. When he took yeah. off his helmet. Yes, and just racial to establish the two things Pete likes to talk about are the Marvel flip at the beginning of the movie. Oh, and we're going to spend some time. Last... We're going to spend yeah. some time on that. Are we? Yeah. 
Uh, do you want to just get it he out of the way? He said when he took his helmet off, and I was like, he does it like three times throughout the movie, so I was waiting to figure out what, yeah. which yeah. part yeah. it was. Yes, all more dramatic than the rest. It's just, uh, I do like the first, I will say, and uh, nothing against anybody, please do not jump on me, Pete, but watching the movie again at this point, in the middle of the movie, when they have the big Black Panther fight scene, and uh, it's the car chase in the middle of the movie yeah. when they're chasing after Bucky, which is great. It's super fun. But at the end of that, they're like, who's this Black Panther guy? And he takes it off his helmet and, and they're like, there's this pause where you're supposed to realize, like, it was T'Challa the whole time. And I'm yeah. like, well, I think we kind of knew that. How dare you? Don't take away that <laughs> moment. I think we figured <laughs> yeah. that out. Uh, he still gets the moment, though. I mean, he, gotta, he does get the moment. And it's fine, but it's and not, it's earned and it's amazing. Uh, okay. uh but yeah, let's go. Let's. You're right. Let's back up the truck and start about uh, uh, talk about the the start of this thing. One of the great Marvel flips, so well timed with a tonal <laughs> change, but also all comic books, no movie bullshit. I mean, that was pinnacle Marvel flip there. I mean, that was. It's peak before it kind of went downhill. I mean, that was the last used perfect Marvel flip. Mm. Uh, let me ask you a question, Rachel, and not to put you on the spot here, but something that we talk about a lot of the podcast is uh, people being MCU fans versus comic fans or both. Uh, where would you characterize yourself? Uh, a, a mix, I guess, because mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a DC household because my brother didn't really get into Marvel, but mm, I know more about Marvel. Like he, he liked Cap and Spider-Man, but then I know more about Marvel and Marvel comics than he does. So we kind Ooh. of balance each other. So like I'll call him with DC questions and he'll call me after like She-Hulk and be like, I have a question about it. And I was like, Oh, that's this. So it's, I'm like wow. in between. So I, I know the comics, but I'm also a big MCU fan primarily Spidey and Wanda, but um, mm. yeah, so I'm more in the middle. All right. Well, given that then, on either the side. transition from doing the Marvel flip from comic books to movies, was that a big controversial thing? Or yeah, is did you notice it? Was it a big part you, of don't, your life? you don't have to do that. Just because Pete <laughs> says it doesn't mean we have to talk about it. Because it's, it's truly <laughs> I'm just, insane. I'm just trying to, try to get through to Pete any, any way I can here because yeah. – <laughs> It's fine. There's a whole cold open that happens before that, though, where they fight crossbones, uh, which is very cool and very intense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part of the movie. It's interesting to me because I feel like the rest of the movie almost has its own tone in a certain way. But that beginning part is very much an extension of Winter Soldier. You got the spy stuff going on. It feels like the Russos. I should have mentioned, by the way, at the beginning, this movie came out May 6, 2016, directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Sort of the big team in the MCU at this point, post-Winter Soldier. And that part definitely has the feeling of like, Okay, we're picking up on Winter Soldier. We got Crossbones now and almost his full comic armor coming in. Uh, People, even Scarlet Witch is kind of like learning spy stuff from Natasha in this scene. But it has that that opening moment with her, though, is my one of my favorite moments in all of the MCU, because it was the first time I ever saw a woman have chipped nails in a movie. Mm. And I (laughs) truly lost my mind just because I'm like so used to watching movies. And it's like a superhero's hair is perfect. Yeah, and she does up. all this, and she literally just has like messed up nails holding a cup. And I was like, I love her, I'll die for her. I do not care. Wow, <laughs> nice. Like, when I was like, I love Wanda, I don't care. She's 
a mess. Well, let's jump well, to that arc then, because she is the one that really kicks off a lot of this. I mean, there are certain points that escalate things over the course of the movie, but it really is Wanda, at least on the surface, messing up what happens on this Lagos mission by Crossbones has a bomb. She takes him, throws him up in the air to get him out of the way of the civilians and accidentally throws him directly into a building that kills a couple of Wakandan folks. It kills Lagos folks. It becomes a big deal that spins off into the Sokovia Accords. And then over the course of the movie, and I'm I'm just mentioning for anybody who hasn't watched it in a while, she gets put under essentially house arrest by Tony Stark, who has been approached by somebody, uh, Alfred Woodard, actually, whose son was killed in Sokovia. He, in classic Iron Man fashion, takes it very personally and goes, I would argue, wildly out of control with what's going on. And this leads to a big conflict that ultimately brings Wanda. uh, She's imprisoned by the end of the movie, along with other people. So since she is your fave, how do you feel about this whole arc? How did that strike you, Rachel? Um, I mean, I... I like it because I don't necessarily think that Wanda should have come off of Age of Ultron as just like a gung-ho member that everyone just trusted. So I like that it still showed that they don't fully trust her um, and then set up a lot of like her own distrust within the Avengers later in the MCU. But uh, I I like the way that they set up a lot of her storyline where it is Cap trying to protect her, Iron Man thinking he's trying to protect her and how her alliances lie within the Avengers um, from how they react to her because she is just a a kid in their eyes because most of the Avengers are in their 30s and 40s and Wanda I think was canonically like 22 or something Mm. I can't remember the exact age she's supposed to be but um, I I like her arc a lot in this movie because I, I think if she was just an Avenger and they were like it's fine don't worry about it it would feel disingenuous to who the Avengers are because she was their villain and then they basically adopted her and were like, come with us, we'll protect you. And I, I feel like that they did a good job with that arc. Yeah. In this movie. I, I agree. I feel like they, especially considering this movie and the larger Wanda storyline in the MCU, they built her up from in age of Ultron. She just sort of can, can push stuff around with her powers. Her powers evolve so much in this movie. And then on as well as her relationships from like, like you're saying, being this kid who like, is like, do I want to do this? I'm learning espionage. Okay. Romance with the vision. And then on into uh, Wanda vision. And obviously what comes after that, what what so much happens without it feeling like predestined it, it was a really organic evolution i thought watching this again was so well done yeah i agree i i thought the 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 wanda stuff was really kind of a cool way to kind of explore like what her deal is and you know you're definitely right that she's referred to as a kid i think a couple times in the movie but uh what's interesting to me was the turn she does on vision um which you know because of wandavision you know she makes all these sacrifices so they can have a relationship and uh so to have her kind of like turn and then throw him i believe it's like 50 levels down like she just got pushing him i think to the center of the earth at, at some point there but uh which i was a little kind of like oh man you want to talk about like tony going too far i felt like scarlet you know uh didn't have to uh, that was that was rough to watch well i think she was sort of like cuz he was being sort of controlling of her and she sort mm-hmm. of i think there was a budding relationship there, but when he, he like is keeping her in prison, I think she was trying to say, "You don't do that, buddy." And oh, I think no, it doesn't. It, 
Yeah, you and know. And I think because she knows, like, he'll survive, she's like, yeah. okay, bye. Like, yeah. I don't think she would have done that to, like, Clint, who would be dead within the first floor. Yeah, but. second, two to, two floors down, Clint's dead. Let's yeah. not forget. Yeah. Two He's things a two-floor. <laughs> He's a two-floor. It was on his uh, Marvel Masterworks card. It was like, two floors will kill this right. man. Right, he had, like, two, two little bars yeah, there. it was yep. stamina, um, charisma. How many floors kill you? Yeah, love those cards. The two things that I really like in that storyline, actually, and I agree with you guys. I think the Wanda stuff is great here, just taken isolated on its own. But we touched on this a little bit. But the Popperkosh moment where uh, Vision is trying to make Popperkosh for her—it's just this very nice calm seed in the middle of everything that also has a little bit of menace to it because it ultimately is where it comes out that he's trying to keep her there on the orders of Tony Stark. But this is this little spark we've been waiting for between these characters because we know from the comics that they are going to end up romantic. And like you were saying, Justin, they just build it both very quickly over the course of the MCU, but also slowly in a way as well. And in, in these little tiny moments that like Pete was saying, a lot of it gets filled in later in WandaVision. But the other relationship that I think they fill, follow very nicely here. Before you get there, Alex, do you think proper kosh is like a really flirty dish? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, is yeah. that a great date yeah, dish? I, well, think? I know what's in it beyond paprika and i'm uh, uh it's well great, let me let me throw funny. out i'm looking at the recipe now and it's mostly paprika <laughs> they're okay. not it's uh yeah tell you what, that sounds paprika. dusty to me that actually that's sort of like a cinnamon so, challenge type thing it's a wet it's a wet rica it's oh, not okay. uh, oh you wet, wet the paprika yeah, well, the I'm not reading. Part. I'm not reading the recipe directly off the page. <laughs> maybe, yeah. All right, I depend on you for this information. So yeah, okay, thanks, Justin. The other relationship that I was going to mention, though, we talked about Hawkeye being there. I love this continuation of like in Age of Ultron, Hawkeye is the dude who is there to Wanda to give her the pump up speech in the middle of the battle at Sokovia, and he's the guy that comes back to get her again here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, just these little things of like. Yeah, if you know, you know. If you've watched the series, you know. Uh, if you don't immediately pick up on that, cool, Hawkeye's here to save her, and that's fine, and it's a fun moment watching this fight going on. The one other Hawkeye thing- really, before you move off Hawkeye, he really pops. This is one of the best. It's just enough Hawkeye. It really is the perfect amount of Hawkeye. He shows up. He's sarcastic. He's like, what, I'm retired. Everybody loses their minds. He's got a couple great zingers. You know, he z- zaps uh, a vision, you know. I, it, yeah. was, it was great to see him. Great to see him, which I don't always say. Um, yep. He has a line, played 18, uh, shot, shot 18. 18. I, I, I can't seem to miss. This is fun. And uh, there's a little exchange with Nat. Yep. In and out. That's all we want from Hawkeye. Well, I will say it also, like, if you look at, like, his relationship with Wanda and then his future relationship with Kate, it does show the difference between, like, how he deals with younger Avengers and, like, training them and being their, like, mentor versus Tony, who's, like, no, stop, go over there. And I love Tony and Spider-Man, but it is very much like, you don't do anything I don't tell you to do. Go sit right. over yeah. there. And he he's kind of that way with Wanda, but Wanda's like, I'm not going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Versus Peter, who's like, I will do anything you've said. I will <laughs> lay my life on the line if I have to. And it's really interesting how it, it is highlighted, though, through like Clint and Tony and how they interact with the kids. In the yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, that's pr- well. Very what do we cool. get? Guy's a dad. 
I think this is a good yeah. way of getting into the main thrust of the action here, and then we can go back and talk about the different bits and the characters and the things that pop up. But the big question is Team Cap or Team Iron Man? And Team Cap, of course, is the one who's like, no, we can't sign these Sokovia Accords. we got to do our own thing. We can't be at the beck and call of governments. And Iron Man is on the side of, we've screwed up a bunch of times, like very badly, and we do actually need oversight here. So what do you think? Which side do you fall on, particularly after this most recent rewatch? And with the world being the way it is, you know? Oh, well, I don't um, know yeah, about that. Let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, if you could bring in, like, current the, politics, that would be... Yeah, when you the say world, the world... It's team, yeah. But yeah. this movie is like, I guess, I can't remember how it was phrased, but it is like being an adult real is realizing that they're both wrong. That it's like, it's two extremes <laughs> and no one mm. is listening. Um, but yeah, I was team. Was I team Iron Man then Captain Iron Man? I'm Iron Man in the end, because if I found out someone killed my mom, it's wow. game over. But so I was like, he's justified. Go ahead. Go, go, go off. <laughs> um, but then I'm also like, he should probably be in jail for attempted murder. I'm complicated, but I go back and forth. <laughs> good for you. I go back and forth between both. So I was I'm just, again, firmly in the middle. All right. Yeah, uh, that's I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious, Pete, what's your answer? Because um, Black Panther is yeah, team, team Black Panther, team Iron Man. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And, uh, you know, we I got in, I've been in numerous heated discussions about this. Uh, uh, my stance remains uh, team cap. Um, I'm not going to wow. tell Captain America how to fight crime. And, uh, I, you know, I trust him to do that job. So I'm not going to kind of like try to tell him where he can't go. And he's got to get okayed for a mission so he can go do stuff. I mean, is he a wild card? Sure. Did he go way above and beyond for Bucky? But, you know, they have a history, so it's it's hard uh, to do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm Team Cap all day, every day. So when they were fighting, when, when ba- Black Panther and Cap were fighting, you were like, get him, Cap. Beat Black Panther. <laughs> nope. No, how dare well, you? But that's, that is who side you just said you were on. So you wanted I Cap to win I was talking about that. Phys- uh, philosophy-wise, like, you know, how mm. I feel and well, where I stand. What about physically, though? Physically, <laughs> you'd like to see Cap beat up Black Panther. No, Black Panther wins. Oh, okay. uh, huh. If that fight happens, uh, Black Panther wins all day. Yeah, when I watched yeah, the movie. Yeah, because he wouldn't have a shield because his shield is vibranium. So yeah. he shouldn't have the shield anyway. But That's fair. Yeah. There. When I was in the theater watching this, I screamed out, philosophically, I'm with Cap, but yeah. like physically, I'm sort of in the middle with Black Panther. And like, yeah. I do think that's in different why fights- seeing movies in theaters with other people are great. There's a lot Absolutely. of fun yeah. go back and oh. forth and yelling at the screen. <laughs> you know, it's just it's so fun. Now, wait, Justin, where do you actually fall other than your team, Justin, against Pete? Yeah, I mean, always. always uh, right. <laughs> the um, I mean, what I I would say first is this movie does a great job of laying out both sides and you feel sympathy for both sides. Like you were talking about how Iron Man goes too far, but I would argue it's all right there. Like the scene where he, he we see his parents and young Tony at the beginning, which oh, yeah. is a wild thing to put on stage in front of like 500 MIT students. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Very, College very kids? front street, That's front really, street yeah, with yeah, your yeah. personal uh, yeah. business. <laughs> But it sets up this real damage he has about, like, no one, let's not leave anyone behind. And if we make a mistake, we have to fix 
because yeah, his parents, he lost Spencer his parents. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think my sympathy is with Iron Man through a lot of this. He obviously goes too far, but I would argue Cap also goes way too far. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people get hurt and killed because he's just like, I think uh, this boy I used to know is still cool. (laughs) <laughs> which is like being like, yeah, my high school friends, I vouch for them no matter how many people have jailed them. And yeah. that's a risky position. He, he might have killed this guy, but mm-hmm. I'll destroy this airport to find out. Yeah. Did my best friend kill JFK? Probably. But it's okay. That's <laughs> yeah. my best friend. How he many high school kids? guys, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, but uh, you're, he's you're hanging controlled. out with... You're hanging out with your unseen vegan dream friend, right? Who you used to know. He's convicted of murder, and mm-hmm. you're like, he's like, I was mind control. And Pete, you're like, got it. I agree. <laughs> that sounds like something the dream would have happened to him. Let's go to right. Siberia. We got to go I mean, right he, now. He said he said at my house on fire twice. So, oh, well, this is a true story, right? You switched yep. it to a true story. Okay, just yep. making sure. Yeah, sorry, Rachel. Pete has a friend named the unseen vegan dream, which is probably hard to pick up out of context. Um, <laughs> I was and like, then, dream? Is this now it's Sandman? Where are we going? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Call yeah, up your brother. Up. This is a DC question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess at the end of the day, I'm Team Cap. The movie mm-hmm. is is Team Cap. It's hard to be Team Iron Man because that's like uh rooting for uh control and um oversight for me. So mm-hmm. like even though Spidey's everyone's having fun. Uh, for the most part, um, when Spider-Man enters the movie, it definitely wants you to be it makes me want to be on Team Iron Man. But. Yeah, I'm kind of in that place as well. I think the separation is if you think about it from a logistical real world perspective, and this gets back to Ooh. I think with the no, it's a no fun <laughs> perspective. I'm very well aware of that. But going back to like the comic book, the thing that they discuss in the comic book that I don't think they bring up in the movie is the idea of like you register a gun, right? Like you want a gun to be registered. So if you have a person who is literally a gun, why wouldn't you want them to be registered? And I think at the end of the day, yes. So team Iron Man, register everybody, have some sort of oversight for these people who are potentially living bombs. Of course you want to do that. But like Justin is saying, that just doesn't work in a superhero world. It doesn't work in the Marvel universe. It also doesn't work in the DC universe, having that sort of oversight. Cap is 100% right that they need to be able to do what they need to do. And that has proven time and time again in literally every single movie and TV show in the Marvel universe. So uh, just take it in there. I don't think there's any debate about that, but we have the freedom of being the audience members who get to watch these adventures and take them in versus being a character in the movie yeah well it took us right out of it yeah sorry about that again my (laughs) no fun take old sober zalbin bringing the buzz down (laughs) well why don't we talk about some other characters here we talked about black panther a little bit why don't we talk about spider-man and his introduction here because this was a big deal going back in the day I'm sure most folks remember this, but it was not a done deal that they were going to be able to get Spider-Man in this movie. It was huge. It was huge. Mm -hmm. They had to work with Sony, figure out a co-production deal that, of course, led to the Spider-Man Tom Holland trilogy. But uh, according to the Russos, at least, there was never an option from their end. Like, they were going to barrel forward and try to figure out how to do this. Spider-Man was one of those things that were like, we got to have that in there. That's got to happen. There were a lot of other moving parts, like 
the Hulk was going to be in the movie at some point. Wasp was going to be in the movie at some point coming off the end of Ant-Man. Nick Fury, they kind of like, apparently there was some confusion because they told Samuel Jackson he was going to be in the movie and that he wasn't and he didn't know why. Uh, And then even they were going to turn uh, uh, William Hurt into Red Hulk at some point. So there were a lot of different characters they were throwing around. But Spider-Man was one of those immovable parts. Why do you think that was? And I think we've already established it works well, but I'll say anyway, why does Spider-Man work so well in this movie? Well, well, first I, I wanted to back up the truck and, and talk about the, just the setup uh, of how it, it was delivered in the movie, because it was such a cool moment where, you know, Tony and Natasha are talking and they're both like, I got an idea. And Natasha's like, where's your idea? You know, and, you know, and he, Tony says, Queens and we get this huge Queens cut to and the whole audience went nuts because all the nerds knew what that meant and that meant Spider-Man and it was just a bananas moment in the movie theater that even watching it when you you, you like you get that kind of cut to it's such a cool moment. I, I gotta well, be you honest. saw the movie, Pete. You saw the movie at the Uncle Ben Uncle Ben in Memoriam Theater in Forest <laughs> Hills, yeah. Queens. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, Rachel, you seem to be freaking out right now. Talk about this moment. <laughs> yeah. And yeah when I saw Queens, I literally just put my hands and my face in my hands and smiled. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no. I. I mean. It, not to go back to hot takes, but my hot take is uh, this movie gave me my perfect Spider-Man that I had been waiting for because mm-hmm. oh, nice. Tobey Maguire is just nostalgic. He's not good when you go back and rewatch those movies. <laughs> Sorry, he's 45 years old, but he looks yeah. 40 and is playing a teenager. I was just a kid and seeing Spider-Man, so I didn't care. And then Andrew Garfield is so good at like half of it. And I just wanted it to be the full thing. I wanted him to be mm. good at all of it. And then Tom Holland, I watched that movie and was like, oh, wow, it's a kid and he's actually Spider-Man and he's trying to figure out what it is. And it starts with this movie, carries on through Homecoming and just like all the way up through No Way Home. Like he is a kid for the first time in the in live action. And I really like the setup where he got a computer out of a dumpster and Tony yeah. is giving him shit for it and is like, where'd you get that? And he's like, I, I dove in the trash. I don't have any money. Um, And I like his dynamic with Marissa Tomei as a 90s kid who remembers the two of them used to date. So I was like, I'm into whatever nonsense they're trying to pull over here. (laughs) And I like, there was just so many little things about this introduction that set the tone for the rest of the Tom Holland arc, which is not over, but I'm just saying that we have now seen um, that it, it was just so good. And I loved it so much. And Andrew only made it better, and then that whole little fight. But this first moment is just perfect. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I, I had forgotten how much of the the Spider Man stuff is him fighting Captain America. Yeah, they have so many, and Spider Man sort of wins for most of it, uh, which I oh. just caught me off guard. I, I feel like Cap was pulling his punches a little bit, you know. Well, because he was Bucky fighting like a. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, it's all about that. Yeah, yeah. Bucky well, wasn't in, Peter caught it. Uh, yeah. Justin, I think you said earlier that this movie doesn't feel overstuffed. And I think this is obviously jumping ahead to the airport fight, which is like one of the pinnacles of the MCU, I think, just in terms of the yeah, greatest fight scenes maybe ever. 
the, just the way that it's balanced there, that everybody gets their moment, that it weaves back and forth in a logical and geographical way, particularly Spider-Man is the best example of that in terms of the way the fights build first with Bucky and Falcon, which are this delightfully fun duo throughout the entire movie. Just pairing them together is great. And that obviously led to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the series on Disney Plus. But seeing Spider-Man fight them and then go over to Captain America, the moment where he does the, hey, I don't know if you've seen that, guys have seen that old Empire Strikes Back movie and does the thing yeah. with Ant-Man to dock him down. All these jokes in the middle, it's so much fun while these stakes are so high and that it doesn't turn into the Spider-Man show in that sequence, even though Spider-Man gets so many standout moments, is pretty amazing. Uh, same yeah. thing going from the introduction forward. That should be the sort of thing that completely overwhelms the movie, the introduction of Spider-Man into the MCU. And it doesn't. It just feels like another element organically happening here. I'll throw out something to you, and I'm not exactly sure how to phrase this. Well, just to like finish up here, just last thing I was going to say is in terms of like the peak MCU-ness, this to me feels like peak Easter egg MCU, which isn't fair because it's way more than Easter eggs. But in terms of those moments of like, here you go, Marvel fans, this is everything you wanted – I don't know that there's anything past Civil War in the same way, just in terms of introductions of Spider-Man, Black Panther, all of these other elements where it gives you that same level of thrill in the theater of like, I can't believe we're seeing this the first time. Yeah. I, I, only argue, I would only argue that the, the one moment, because my brother, who I said wasn't really a Marvel fan, the thing that he still talks about is worthy cap. And that's the only yeah. other one that mm-hmm. is like people were waiting because obviously Avengers Assemble, but like that's we knew eventually yeah. we would get Avengers Assemble, <laughs> but Worthy Cap was the one that I would say. Yeah, I mean, when it's you think it's all over and, you know, just Cap there fighting an adventure uh, Avengers and they all come through the portal and then, you know, he's like on your left. I mean, that was. Just unbelievable. I'm not saying there's actual moments. I'm just. I, is this from a? Sorry, is this from another movie? Is it? What are you guys talking <laughs> yeah, yeah, about? I've only, I've only seen, I've only ever. seen up to this far in the okay, Marvel right, Cinematic right, Universe because right, yeah, yeah, it continues on, right? It's yeah. a good point. Yeah, there's no, a couple of movies after this. Yeah. Just a couple. Uh, oh, great. Uh, yes. I'm looking forward to see how these storylines come together. <laughs> but I'm worried because you fast forwarded through like a lot of like really amazing bits. And, and, and li- I mean, when they're all like lined up about to fight and they're talking about like, oh, amazing who you run into the airport. That's all just amazing. And then the Falcon being like, there's usually not this much talking during a fight to Spider-Man who's just kind of, you know, like going off about the flight pattern of, uh, you know, Captain Shield and all this mm-hmm. stuff is there's just, and then the whole kind of like cap and Spider-Man, like, you know, where are you from kid Queens, Brooklyn, you know, like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Berg lost it at that point. So it's just one of those things where the, there's, uh, you know, there is unbelievably like mind melting action going on, but also the the bat the banter back and forth is 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 peak Marvel as well, and it's just some of the best stuff. And you know, even the who's holding back, who's going full out, like all that kind of stuff is just absolutely magical. And 
you, you know, Ant-Man joining it and then becoming huge and everybody kind of losing their mind. I mean, that was just a, well, and the fact so that they're able fun. to balance the tone of Ant-Man up appearing and making Ant-Man and Spider-Man different enough that they're not sort of eating, eating each other's lunch comedically. But then you right. have that moment, the Empire Strikes Back takedown moment. And then, like, truly minutes later, Rhodey dies maybe oh like yeah. in the moment we're like that guy has died when he crashes to the ground and you just see that shot of um uh, where the camera pushes on tony holding uh Rody's body and you're like ah, i can't believe i was laughing a minute ago i feel guilty <laughs> <laughs> and you're yeah. like whoa this movie's a, a, again this movie's a ride yeah it sure is rachel i was all i was gonna say is you brought up that roadie moment which i like yes but also, that was one of the moments where I was like, Tony, you you shot the wrong person because he, like, blasts Sam. And I'm like, Vision did it. It mm-hmm. was literally Vision, and you're ignoring that because you're mad at them. I was like, yeah. listen, I love you, but you're you, this is messed up. <laughs> Sam didn't do anything. Uh, I do think that gets into what I was mentioning a little earlier in terms of Iron Man kind of wildly going out of control at points here. And granted, they're trying to create this arc of he's kind of the villain, but kind of not the villain because he's a hero that we've followed through multiple movies. But I do think it gets back to it. It's a reaction from him to what he did in age of Ultron, that age of Ultron. He was like, I can protect the entire world that fails as spectacularly as it possibly could to the point that tons of people die. Property is wrecked. The Avengers almost die. He almost dies. Lots of stuff goes on. And here he goes in the exact opposite direction. He's like, nope, can't do anything. I got the thing out of my heart. I'm not a superhero anymore. Leave me alone. Everybody else needs to be like me. We just need to calm down and stop doing this. And because of that, we do get these moments like him shooting Sam and doing things that he's doubling down on in the wrong direction that at times to me feels like they're calibrated a little too much, you know? I hear you. Um, Cause I think from a movie watcher point of view, you're like, that guy's a little out of control, but personally you ever had, you know, when you make a mistake and then you make another mistake right afterwards, I feel you like your down. vision, mm. like I, the other night I was, I was cutting some vegetables and I cut like a, just a, almost a piece of my finger off oh. and i was like ah geez and then i turned around and hit a pan of water and then that spilled i was like oh. I, I can't do anything right now and i feel like that's that moment where the world sort of goes tunnel vision white and you're like i'm falling here and that's what tony is doing through this whole movie to your point well and also when you think about it he is he does still have ptsd like it was yeah. uh, I, I i was like at some panel at new york comic-con a couple of years ago and they were talking about mental health in superhero movies and how like it gets erased and this guy brought up iron man 3 and i was like it didn't get erased if you look at tony's actions from iron man 3 on it's all very still there and it's just within his own character he, he just doesn't have his own movie to talk about these things but he is very right. much still struggling in the way that he was in that movie. And I think looking at this movie through that lens, it just not justifies, but like it explains a lot of his thinking and his rationale because well, he is still kind of struggling it with himself. 
Well, and if you want to draw that line there, I think you could go all the way back. And again, they don't reference this, I think, at all really here. But the vision that Wanda gives him towards the beginning of Age of Ultron, where he sees the Avengers just laid out in space, absolutely destroyed, and that very classic comic book cover, everybody's laying on the ground, very posed sort of thing. That is something that spurs him on to create Ultron. But to your point, Rachel, I think that's something that spurs him on continually because that hasn't happened yet. That's looming Mm -hmm. over him. That could potentially also affect how he's treating Wanda, where he sees her in some way intrinsically tied to this future where all of his friends are dead. And Justin, to your point, I think it is also like a very logical friend response to be like, no, I'm going to protect you by driving you away and get out of here and you leave me alone. And he just pushes and pushes and pushes until he kind of gets the self-fulfilling prophecy of, yep, everything is wreck and ruin. Rhodey is maybe dead uh, and he is paralyzed from the waist down. He's caused it. It's fault. Uh, this thing that he thought was going to come to pass did come to pass, and ultimately he made it happen. It's a classic old yeller situation. Hmm. You get out of here, you dog. You dub dog. Throwing <laughs> rocks at old yeller. You're oh, a really? white fang. Is, it's a white is, fanging. Yeah, yeah. Is white, Captain white America fangs. old yeller in that situation? Mm. He's perhaps the oldest yeller. <laughs> oh, he's very. Oh, he's on. so old. He's dating the next generation of his girlfriend in this movie. Hey, oh, hey, hey. <laughs> they had one. Smoocheroo yeah. that was both parties were all about. Smoocheroo? You know what, what, what are you from the 40s? Well, I'm trying to, you know, relate to Cap's, you know, what he's thinking. You know what I mean? Yeah. He really thinks she's the bee's knees, I would say. I would say yeah. so. Uh, he waited I mean, a long, long time. He waited a long <laughs> oh, time. Oh my what do we uh, think about this? Because we get the off screen death of Peggy Carter in this movie, her funeral, bummer. the reveal that. Uh, that uh, Agent 13 is Sharon Carter, her niece, and then they have a schmoochroo, as Pete said, by the end there. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, uh, for, at the funeral, you got uh, little, Sam. That? That Sam's like, kissy, nah, kissy. that's much worse than when you hear the noise. Yeah, if you uh, look at, at Rachel's funeral, face, that's all you need to know right there. The yeah. fact that she's just like, I don't know she who says, you are, no. dude, and you're creeping me out. <laughs> Uh, at Peggy's funeral, and Sam's like nudging to a uh, nudging cap, like, "Hey, look, there's a, a potential girlfriend up there." I was like, "Yeah, dude." First off, cool it at the funeral. Second off, this is a funeral <laughs> for his nudge girlfriend. His nudge is kind of like, "Hey, we know her." It's kind of like, "Hey, it's that lady who used to live next to you." That's crazy. I, Even I don't still, know. it's like he's at, he's crying. Yeah, it's not great. Peggy out, he's sobbing, and Steve and Sam's like, "Hey." Yeah, that hey. blonde girl. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I think this is the Sharon Carter relationship in the comics is like it sort of works, but in the movies, this is one of those th- the few things that I was like, this doesn't work in this movie. They, they squeeze it in a bit. There's not a lot of time spent on this. There's a VW uh, bug and yeah. it's very, very tight. Yeah, and they <laughs> make exactly out and what it I cuts to Bucky and Sam just nodding at him, like, just watching Wait. these guys. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that is one of the funnier moments in the movie. But yes, to your point, I don't know if they necessarily have chemistry. uh, No. Per se. And Emily Van Camp is great and deserves way better, I think, overall than what she has been given by the MCU so far, including, not to jump there, but Falcon Winter Soldier. But go ahead. I think she's coming back and she's going to be a a bigger part later. Mm. She's she's going to be another power broker? Yeah, 
a different well, power broker? I would broker? love her to do that. There's a comic run for Bucky. Um, I think it was Kyle Higgins did it. Um, it's where he has Alpine and he goes and he finds there's a little winter soldier and he's like, he basically adopts a son. Um, and Sharon Carter is in there. Tony's in that one, but obviously uh, it's fine. He's dead. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, what's it called? Uh, Sharon is in that briefly. And I was like, you guys mm. can just do that storyline in the MCU. I'd watch it. It's yeah. not that long and it's good. And also Sharon has things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yes. just everything else. I do want to talk about my absolute favorite character in this movie though. And one of the best villains in the MCU, Zemo, who gets yeah. introduced here. Yeah, he doesn't dance though in this though. He I kept doesn't waiting dance for this. some like dance moments. You know You're what thinking I mean? too far ahead. You're thinking too far ahead. Buddy, uh, that's but- why it's, when you're in the future and go back to watch it, you're you're putting stuff on stuff. You know, for me, I like the stuff that happens before Zebo comes in. But once Zebo comes in, it gives such an interesting propulsiveness and a nervous energy to the entire movie. And one of the things that I think is uh, the boldest thing that they do in this movie, and one of the reasons that I love Zebo is by the end of the movie, he wins. Like he is one of the few villains of the yeah, MCU. Like his goal is wins. to destroy the Avengers. And he destroys the Avengers. Like, legitimately, he wins. He is, he's expecting to kill himself at the end of the movie. He does not do that. Black Panther stops him. So we do get to see more. He catches a bullet. Catches a bullet. Um, But other than that, his plan completely works across the board to rip them apart. And it leads to the boldest sequence of the movie that I wanted to talk a little bit about the history here, which is they track him down to it is Siberia, I think. Right. Where there's other super soldiers from the Winter Soldier program. They think they're going to get attacked. They get there. Zemo has already killed them. And in fact, the plan was just to lure them there and show them this footage of Bucky killing Iron Man's parents, which is the ultimate moment that drives the Avengers apart and wrecks the alliance between Captain America and Iron Man. Now, the thing that I think is pretty interesting about this is the expected third act there of them all teaming up to fight Zemo and these super soldiers was something that apparently the Marvel creative committee at the time, and I don't know if you remember them, this was a bunch of comic Mm -hmm. book writers and execs over at Marvel entertainment. They wanted that to happen. They were pushing pretty hard. They were saying, no, you have to have that. That's your third act. There is Captain America and Iron Man put their differences aside to fight the villains at the end. That's how these movies work. And it was such a big fight that apparently the Russos almost walked off of the movie. Kevin Feige almost was like, I will leave Marvel Studios if this happens. And wow. that was the thing that pushed Disney to say, step in and say, no, we're going to go for this ending. They want to do this because this is going to shake up the superhero formula. It's going to go against what you expect is going to happen. And ultimately, though, there's a little bit of like a dotted line here, whether this actually happened or not. Pretty soon after that, the Marvel creative committee essentially got iced out of decisions and Marvel entertainment got pushed aside and Kevin Feige got pushed up to be the guy who was ultimately. Civil war within the civil war. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. Um, But that's when they changed the Marvel flip, Pete. Yeah, so um, what side are you really on? What side oh are my you on? God. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, that that's that's sort of a joke, but it's also true that after this movie, the creative the comic book people working on the movie were sort of shoved aside. That's and the why Marvel the Marvel flip, flip became flip the movies. Movie. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. We cracked this for you, Pete. Yeah, wow. 
Um, but I do love that choice. Like, I think they were right. Kevin Feige and the Russos were right about this because it's a much bolder choice to get to this thing where you expect it's going to be a huge superhero fight. And ultimately, it becomes this very dark, very personal fight at the end of the movie. Uh, what did you guys think about this when you watched it or when you rewatched it it's- recently? It was it was hard. It's hard both times to watch. It was like watching your parents fight, like seeing uh, Tony Stark and and, uh, Captain America go at it. And especially after like Tony's helmet came off and uh, Cap still, you know, like pushing that shield into his chest. I was just kind of like both times being like, stop, (laughs) stop, please stop. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, it is hard to watch and it's especially hard because they do a great job of making it really be off the rails. Like at this point in the movie with the, the reveal, you're like, this could, someone could die here. This could really go. Um, and I think that's much more satisfying. Um, not to also agree with the movie people over the comic book people, yeah, but it's geez. so much more satisfying to have it be that way than them just being like, you know what? We are friends and just having a no- pretty normal <laughs> fight. But it's one of those things where it's like the comic book creative team helped put Marvel cinematic where it is. You know what I mean? And it was kind of like uh, a a crazy, I'm I'm assuming, an insane fight to kind of, they're trying to stay true to what they know as the comics, but the characters are evolving in the, Mm -hmm. in the movie in a different way here. So it's hard because the, having a different ending would be insane and would be very much like the heroes that we know from the comics. Uh, But I feel like because they're doing something different here, that it was the right choice with, uh, with what they did in the movie. But uh, you know, it's kind of insane that this caused such, such drama. Now I'm sorry, Pete, you need to choose a side and it, whichever side you choose, you can't consume any of the content from the other side ever again. So well, choose I, comics or comics, movies dude, and never the, the twain show me. me. Yeah, that's what got me here. I guess I got to right. I guess well, stay Thanks right. for coming on the podcast. You can sign off now. <laughs> and okay. I, Pete, I'll call you after Wakanda Forever, but you can't see it because you chose me. comics. So <laughs> oh, see you later. Don't you, don't you try to take that away from me. You I can't. can't wait. I'm going to cry my way through all the two hours and change of that movie, and I cannot wait. You're going to start crying at the Marvel flip, and then that's when uh, I'll see you later. (laughs) Uh, Well, why don't we talk about other moments from the movie? There's obviously a lot of different things that we've skipped by here as we're chatting about different aspects. What other scenes jumped out to you on this rewatch? Yes, Pete, thanks for raising your hand. All right. Might as well get this out of the way while we're piling in on me. I mean, we have this amazing Cadillac here that we see in the beginning uh, (laughs) that is cut to numerous times. And each time, I'm sure you guys are thinking about who's driving it or what's going on, but I'm watching it going, how many times do I have to watch this amazing mint condition Cadillac total and then get destroyed? I mean, it's just absolutely hard breaking mm. great that was the one thing you wanted to mention pete all right yeah, let's go to rachel then you don't need to raise your hand but thank you for- I, was just, I was just establishing the pattern <laughs> no. yes um, you're good and uh, thank you for pausing because we will just cut out what pete just said not to go back but like i really like how the two big zemo fights because i like that first one where he activates the winter soldier and um it is essentially just so that Chris Evans can flex while pulling down a helicopter. Oh. 
Wait, can I mention two quick facts about that before we get off of the about Chris Evans's biceps? Yes, two you have two facts about this one tries. You want to talk about and then tries? No, no, just the biceps. Just the biceps. I have bi facts about biceps. The Tom Hiddleston apparently, when asked what his favorite moment is in the MCU, said it's that moment, not anything from Loki or any of the movies he's in. And the other one, apparently, Chris Evans wears T-shirts a few sizes too small to emphasize his muscles. Who does just like just like JT Sizzle? I don't have the muscles to match that, but I still wear a tiny T. He loves a tiny T. Medium. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole that. thing. Is they're called schmediums, and it's how like all of these big buff guys wear shirts that are just slightly too small. So then it's like, look how big my arms are. Oh it's my great. god, I love that. That's I genius. am probably the size of his arm as a human, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other the thing. other thing that I'll mention just off of that is they film apparently whatever he does at Captain America, anything they film all the t-shirt scenes towards the beginning because he's working so long he starts to lose mass over the course of the shoot. So if they want to do those really good uh, Ripley bicep t-shirt scenes, that's in the first part of the shoot. Uh, so you just want to interrupt the podcast to talk about uh, t-shirts, uh, mostly t-shirts. t-shirts I mean, I, th- I, think I love that fact. <laughs> the idea, the idea that they have to shoot the the muscle scenes first is like it's sort of embarrassing for him to be like, all right crew of hundreds i'm here to look a little more jacked in this scene. <laughs> well i mean you know how it is uh your line producer the food and the the catering on those movie sets are unbelievable how are you supposed to stay in shape when so they've got all i don't that? think it's about him eating too much i think it's about the fact that he's no. working really hard for hours a and day he and can't he's... work out as much as he did exactly. in the beginning half of it nope right. he's guzzling reese's pieces <laughs> and craft services like a maniac yeah um, but i do like how that fight is everyone basically against bucky like not Bucky's fault but it's everyone trying to stop Bucky and then by the end it is actually Cap and Bucky working in tandem to stop Iron Man from essentially doing what Bucky was doing and going too far because he was out of control Um, and I like that setup and it's they're both Zemo's fault but I do like how that is how that works in the film and I also there is a line in this movie that I think about all the time and it's when Zemo talks about Captain America's eyes at the end of this movie. Mm, uh, and he was just like, there's a little green in your eyes. And I was just like, okay, who wrote this? Like wh- <laughs> Martin and McFe- or McFeely and uh, Marcus were sitting somewhere and they were like, hmm, there's some green. <laughs> there's some green in his eyes. Put that in there. Like, <laughs> like who came up with that line? I do love that, I though. Like, it's just such a subtle thing in the way that Daniel Brühl delivers it in terms mm-hmm. of being like the green of your eyes. And he, he's pointing it out because it's like, there's a flaw. You have a flaw. You are not the perfect person. And I am exploiting your flaw right now, which is not just the green of your eyes. It's Bucky. It's your relationship with Iron Man. It's all this stuff. But... Uh, yeah, that definitely feels like the sort of thing that they talked about in conversations, staring into his eyes at some point. Yeah, I, like, like that's what's funny about it is it's like there's so many little things mm-hmm. in this movie that you're like, who had that conversation? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> who, who 
talked about. Actually, it's sort real of like, quick fun fact: they shoot all of Chris Evans' eye scenes I, towards the yeah. beginning because yeah. he, he starts to lose eyes. Because your eyes change color as the movie. Yeah, you know, exactly. as no, I'm yeah, all yeah. those, uh, all that chocolate. Yeah. No, I think it was somebody got busted um, staring at uh, Chris Evans' eyes, and they're like, "Hey, we got to write it in the movie so it counts as research." I don't want to yeah, get caught. Those, ah! That's America's eyes right there. I, I yeah. think though that uh, uh, one thing you brought up is that uh, the fight sequence where. Uh, Bucky is escaping and everybody kind of tries to stop him. Uh, just really cool to see, like, uh, you know, there there is, first off, amazing Black Panther stuff with him uh, where he doesn't, you know, you, you see, like, Tony's uses part of his uh, kind of hand blaster and stuff like that. But, like, the fact that we see Sharon Carter and Natasha with nothing uh, being, you know, just running into, you know, it's this thing of kind of like heroes running into a fire when everybody else is running out. And it's just some really just kind of like, oh, my God, moments where they're you know kind of throwing caution in the wind and jumping in to help and it's uh it's 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 just the tension of that fight scene always gets me every time i see it and it's just so so enjoyable yeah uh any other moments anybody wants to call out from here well we we haven't talked about um nat and and this Mm. is a great black widow movie as well i i think her scenes at the top of this movie are uh, the way it's sort of like shaky cam on her like she gets such great fight moments she gets to be at the end of the day sort of the adult in the room Mm -hmm. who's like hey i'm gonna be on this side but i still love you over there and then later she's like okay it feels like we've overstepped with this multi-million dollar airplane fight that ruined everything. (laughs) Why don't you guys go solve this? I'm going to trust my gut here. And I miss her as a stabilizing force in the MCU in general. And I don't know who's going to be that going forward. Uh, So it was, it was nice to see her in action. Yeah. And also like, there's that moment where, you know, uh, Cap gets the text and just leaves, which I like for Cap because he's like, this is a huge moment for superheroes everywhere. But once he gets the uh, text about Peggy, he's out because that's his true love. And so the fact that, like, Nat goes all the way out there to visit him, basically to give him a hug and say, like, I didn't want you to be alone, is just awesome. Just such a cool friend thing that was just such a, I I thought, like, such a cool choice along the lines of what uh, Justin was saying. It was nice to see Cat or sorry, Nat be such a cool uh, human being at that point. Yeah, I relate the most to Nat because I was saying, I was like, I, I went back and forth on who I, what side, and like she does it because she's like, no, I love all these people. They're all my friends. I understand why you think this, but I also understand why you think this. And I, I, I like this movie a lot because obviously it leads into Black Widow, which my other favorite character is Yelena. So I love, mm. oh, yeah. I love Black Widow. And I do think Yelena is going to end up being the, like, the Nat mm-hmm, yep. in the future, just because it's built into them as Black Widows and she's already kind of filling that void in her own way. Um, but I, I really like how this movie kind of sets up why we, like, I don't understand why we got Black Widow when we got Black Widow. It should have been after this movie or before it, but I do like that this movie sets up a perfect reason for Nat to not be with the Avengers or with Cap or with anybody in between uh, this and Infinity War so that when we do have Black Widow, it fits in perfectly. I also just, 
I always think she she deserved more than she got in the MCU because like she's great and she was the only woman for a really long time and it took so long for her to get a movie that it like that movie is really good but it also hurts because you're like well wish this was like 2010 because yeah. that's what that would have been really cool. I mean, in terms of, I always tend to rewatch these movies in release order, but I do think to the point that you're making, Black Widow is one that you can definitely watch. (laughs) What? No, you just had a comic book nerd moment there. I just Uh, no. There's a lot of people talk about whether you should watch. I only watch the movies in chronological order. (laughs) Listen, that was a beautiful impersonation of me, and that sounded exactly (laughs) like me. So thank you, Pete. Thank you. I appreciate it. I wasn't it. trying to be you. I was, you know, No, you're generic. doing a great job. That sounds exactly okay, like my smart. voice. Okay. People are going to be very confused. If you want just to make it about you? Version. That's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm always saying, flame lave and everything. Anyway, <laughs> my point being, uh, exactly like you're saying, Rachel, I think watching Black Widow after you watch this movie is a smart choice because it rolls right out of it. And like you're saying, I think it is a, is a good, fun action movie that years later felt like wait i don't know why this is coming here but if you're gonna watch this before infinity war before endgame because of all the other movies there i think it would work better in that placement mm-hmm. uh before oh we should mention the wait, two I, end credit sequences the very yeah. were you gonna mention that pete well i was gonna get to there there's uh stuff that uh, we didn't talk about that i wanted to talk about um we'd mentioned oh, briefly really more the- than the sweet cadillac at the beginning well, I had to Make get that out of the way first. Oh, yeah. sure. Okay. Had like those. But I, so we had this amazing uh, kind of car running chase sequence that was really fun because it was, there was a lot of fun leapfrogging where like uh, Black Panther was chasing, but jumped on the back of the car of Captain America because he knew Captain America was going. It was so, there was this uh, really uh, fantastic of outdoing each other to kind of get to that. Uh, a moment, and then Captain America just like running out of a moving car was just so badass and amazing. And then also Bucky, just like I think the coolest way I've ever seen someone get on a motorcycle. Uh, that was uh, just uh, some phenomenal action sequences. And then the fact that it had to all stop, and everybody just kind of had to like you know uh, was just such a, uh, a crazy way for that to end. And I did not see coming the first time I saw it. Um, uh, Pete, have you ever seen me get on a motorcycle? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I, I assumed uh, with your half shirts that you couldn't do it. It wouldn't be. Uh... Here's the thing about that motorcycle uh, sequence: hot, but also uh, keep thinking it's way more in slow motion than it is. And every time I watch this movie, I'm like, I feel like it was a lot slower. The la- like, it keeps getting faster to me <laughs> the more I watch wow. it. I'm like, I feel like we spent way more time with this before. Uh, but yeah, I love that whole sequence because it starts with Cap and Bucky in the apartment in Bucharest and Bucky, like, he's like, we don't kill anybody. And Bucky just like smashes some guy's head into a wall mm. two seconds after he said it. And like, you can just see Cap be like, come on, man. Come, and like the two of them, like, trying, like, it's such a weird dynamic, but it works within the fight because it's like Bucky being like, leave me alone, dude. And yeah. seems like, nope. And then everyone else is trying to stop the two of them. It's great. I love that fight a lot. Yeah. But yeah that motorcycle I think about often. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, so we have the kind of big explosion where uh, 
Chadwick Boseman loses his father and um, the like him talking about how death is not the end was kind of a real healing moment for me to kind of hear him uh, uh, talk about that. Um, So that was kind of like a nice rewatch moment to kind of hear him talk about death a little bit. Um, God, I just uh, every time Chadwick Boseman was on screen, it was just so, so very moving. Um. Uh, oh yeah and the whole like I didn't catch it the first time I watched it but the second time around when uh, uh, Tony Stark is talking to Captain America and he's trying to get him to sign he's got the old pens and the when whole thing uh, what when he flirts with him Oh, mm-hmm. oh! I didn't. They flirt in that scene a lot. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, great. That's a fun. That's fun. I. Uh, but I also thought it was interesting that Cap was like uh, Tony Stark was jumping on Cap for a bunch of things, and then Cap was like, "Oh yeah, I didn't see Pepper here," and I was like, "Oh shit!" The second time around, I caught it, but the first time I did not, and I thought that was a very interesting. Where Tony was talking about being right all the time, and uh, you know, even in the movie, he admits that he goes too far, and it was a little too much for Pepper. So it was kind of a a, a nice uh, rewatch moment for me there. Yeah, and it's also just a nice way to work around the fact that Gwyneth Paltrow couldn't do the movie, so they she wouldn't out. have known if she was in it anyway. Exactly. That's true. That's right. That's exactly. true. She wouldn't have known. Um, yeah, they this movie though, like. Don't have your zinger thing. It has so many good, like, little zingers in yeah. it that, like, it is one of those that I think people quote more often than they realize. I did also want to talk about the... I remember when this movie came out and people were talking about how bad the, like, CGI in the beginning with the birth program was. And I am a big Robert Downey Jr. fan. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's just what he looked like. That is just yeah. like how smooth his look skin was oh, yeah. when he was that young. Like that is just Robert Downey Jr. He looks like less than zero Robert Downey Jr. in that scene. And I like remember flipping out about that and being like, oh, oh my God, that yeah, looks I've, just like him. I thought I was watching an 80s movie for a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mr. Softy t-shirt and everything. It was really. It definitely we've seen a lot worse over the past couple of years. And in yeah. retrospect, watching it again earlier today for the podcast, uh, to your point, I was like, oh, actually, this, this pretty is pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. There you go. A couple of other quick things that I'll mention. Post if credits. Robert Downey Jr. hadn't worked out, apparently they were going to adapt the Mad Bomb storyline from the comics where Zemo would release a bomb that would drive everybody, including heroes, insane, so they could still get the Civil War aspect. Obviously, it did work out, and that changed the movie a lot. Also, you probably knew this one, but a nice little Easter egg there from the Russo's time directing on Arrested Development. If you look closely in the airport fight, the staircase car from Arrested Development Company is there, so that's very fun as well. And real quick, the two end credit sequences, which have been kind of followed up on in different aspects. We have the one where Bucky ends up in Wakanda, that tees up Black Panther, that tees up him later in Infinity War. And then we get the one with Spider-Man in bed where he gets the spider signal, which is very cute, uh, but not really followed up on necessarily. No. I don't know. Well, no, it wasn't. I didn't think it was the spider signal. I thought it was just him realizing that like like, because he uses that in Homecoming. So I mm, thought it was just teasing okay. that the next movie was Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't remember fair. what we knew at the time, but I just, yeah. I, I think it was just like, 
He still has his suit in Homecoming. Yeah. Um, if anything, he, I think it was probably the tee like, up. Right after that, the will return at the end of the movie is Spider-Man will yeah. return. So probably yeah. like you're saying, Rachel, it was to assure audiences this isn't stopping here. Spider-Man's in the He's MCU coming. now. Let's go. He's coming back. He's coming. Before we wrap up here, though, why don't we go to our vision board? This is a section where we talk about things that are coming uh, up in the MCU. This is a tricky one to do because most of the stuff has been followed up on. So I guess we could talk about Captain America stuff in general. We also don't know necessarily what's going to happen with Bucky going forward. Maybe he'll show up in Captain America New World Order. Maybe not. Uh, Rachel, you seem like you know something. Yeah, he's in Thunderbolts. Oh, that's right. He's in Thunderbolts. I did forget about that. Um, well, what are you I looking forward to then nice. coming off of these characters in the MCU going forward? What, what's the thing you're most excited to see? I want to say I like the tone of this movie, I think, is so good, like in the balance. And that's what I want to see more of. I feel like some of the movies and projects, and especially TV, feels like well, they haven't quite nailed the the balance of being fun and the characters – dealing with stuff but also still uh, retaining their sort of shine and i'd like to see more of that going forward yeah uh, Pete? i i'm looking forward to them kind of reckoning the where they left the last spider-man movie which i didn't like is peter parker walking away from mj at the end uh and leaving her kind of in the dark which i felt like is complete okay, so bullshit. your thing for future off of uh, captain america civil war is something that right. happened like 25 well we're talking about things that are happening in the future and we're talking about spider-man okay and you know at the end of the last credit sequence they said spider-man will return so my vision is maybe that we get (laughs) to see a little bit more spider-man sorry and spider-man is going to realize oh what am i doing i can't leave mj in the dark i need to go and uh, fix that and let her know all that's happened because that's a very nice thing to do for someone you care about that would be a very nice thing to do. Rachel, what are you looking forward to in Captain America for Thunderbolts, anything like that? Uh, well, briefly going off Pete's, I do hope that Daredevil is part of uh, that adventure because that is what I'm most excited about is the potential mm. of a Spider-Man Daredevil uh, yeah. adventure. But I'm very excited about Thunderbolts. I'm really excited about Harrison Ford being in the MCU. I know people are mm. not, mm-hmm, but uh, mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm. Harrison Ford. I've seen every movie that man has done. So I'm really into that um i'm excited for bucky and yelena to meet i think that's going to be a really fun dynamic um because they haven't met yet um and bucky in the comics had a thing with nat um but they did great that that didn't happen in the this and so yelena is kind of on her own i don't know that i want that to happen but i do think it'd be interesting um and i am really excited about new world order because I was one of the cheerleaders for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I knew what kind of storyline they were doing. I knew why Sam wasn't as on focused um, because I know like a lot of commentary was about how Sam wasn't the focus. And I was like, because they're waiting to reveal him as Captain America. He's taking the shield. Like, it makes sense. But I didn't particularly love it. I wanted Sam to be Captain America. Um, And so I'm really excited to actually get to explore that in a movie because I think... That'd be fun. And also, like, if old man Steve shows up so people will stop asking Chris Evans <laughs> questions, that'd be fine. <laughs> old man Steve, Joe Biden, 
I think those would all be great. The only other one that I'll throw out there is I would love to see Bucky in Captain America 4, just because watching this movie reminded me how good Sebastian Stan and uh, Anthony Mackie are together. They're just so much fun. Oh, scary little child in the basement. Terrifying. Um, So that would be. How dare you call Justin's kids terrifying? I mean, it's dark in the background there, and a child creeped out. It was like. Hello. It was like a horror movie. I was terrified. I, I was I, not. I was like, that little adorable kid who's <laughs> lost and doesn't have somebody looking out for them. It was just the, like, all of a sudden disembodied daddy in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I'm looking for more of that in the MCU. That's what I want to see in Captain America 4. Scary little children coming out everywhere. No. Yes. That was that was in Multiverse of Madness. Oh, you already right, got right. it. Oh, yes, yeah, we, we got, got plenty there. of that. Before we wrap up here, Rachel, what do you want to plug? Where should people check you out? Yeah. Um, you can follow my work at the Mary Sue. I also do a little bit for other websites like Collider and whatnot. Um, I also have a podcast called Padro Pascal, where we go through the filmography <laughs> of actor Pedro Pascal. So nice. Bring a twenty awesome. or getting a twenty twenty three about to be very busy. Um yeah. and yeah, you can see all my horrible, horrible superhero takes that I yell online a lot um Good for uh, you. on my on my twitter for as long as that Yay, lasts. yelling <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh rachel thank you so much for coming on and for anybody out there if you'd like to support this podcast patreon.com slash comic book club also we do a live show every tuesday night at 7 p.m to crowd sure on youtube come hang out we would love to chat with you about the mcu apple spotify stitcher or the app of your choice to subscribe listen and follow the show at marvel vision pod on twitter instagram and facebook comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time stay marvelous tony stank (laughs) the package for tony stank